Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. That is saucy McSauce sauce. <laughs> Who's that man over there with you? Who's that man? That is the audio we listen to for one of these books. Night gardening. Um, we need to do our podcast. <gasps> but I want to listen to more to Dick Hill. His name is Dick Hill. His, His name, name is, Dick, is Hill. Dick Hill. Which is a great name. For somebody who's reading a romance novel. Um, you can do that after, but first we have to do the podcast. Oh, all right. I suppose so. Hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels. A straight one and a queer one. And then we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters. We certainly do. Also, all the spoilers. So many spoilers. If you don't want to know the endings of these books, then you need to stop right now. You need to go and buy these books, read them. Find out the ending for yourself and then come back because uh, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, there's a death at the end of one of them and a non-ending at the end of the other. Boom! Spoiled! Boy. <laughs> but if you don't mind spoilers, we're glad you're already here. <laughs> can't back out now. <laughs> you can't push pause? <laughs> We've disabled the pause function on your podcatcher. <laughs> um, Claire... Yes. You picked books for us. I did. I picked books. What what were they? I picked Night Gardening by E.L. Swan and The Midnight Gardener, a YA urban fantasy gay romance, uh, The Town of Superstition, book one by R.G. Thomas. <laughs> That's a very long title. And what was the theme? Midnight gardening. It's just gardening. Gardeners. Garden. I like that you immediately lied. <laughs> Spoilers and lies ahead, folks. Spoilers, Spoilers and, and lies. lies. <laughs> so we're going to say the end of the book, but it might be a lie. So. Teehee, teehee. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if we did a review podcast where we just made shit up about the books? Oh my God. That is cruel. Cruel and unusual. <laughs> um, splendid. Before we get into these gardens, Claire, yes, yes. what has got you hot and bothered? Um, I will tell you what. It's spring. Mm-hmm. It is now spring. Spring has sprung. Spring has sprung. And let me tell you what. It is attacking my face with the full force of the mighty heavens. (laughs) Oh, my God. I wake up daily to a deluge of spores coming at my face and just going, hee, 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 we're a tiny army. 
Anyway, I am, let me tell you what, I am suffering. And you have to suffer with me because my voice is uh, not great right now. But I am here and I am pushing through the spore army. (laughs) The sacrifices you make for us. Look, I get it. Everybody's fucking horny right now, including the plants. And (laughs) nobody's more horny than plants right now. And (laughs) they are showing it with as much pollen as they possibly can. You know, and good for them. Everybody wants some. Um, I want some too. But, oh, I just keep sneezing and it makes it impossible. (laughs) Oh. Mine... My allergies have been a little bad, but not too, too bad. I'm expecting it to happen because we've been getting a lot of rain. And so there's a lot of green stuff. So I'm waiting for the plants to just like spooge all over everything. (laughs) It's coming. I know it. Those eucalyptus. They are so excited about what's going on right now. (laughs) Good. Good, good. And Neil. Yes. What has got you hot and bothered? The American healthcare system. This is a good one. So, as listeners will know, I was unemployed for a stint of time. And fortunately, I live in California where they, like, at least present to care about things like this. So, there is um, a system here called Covered California. And I was like, hello, Covered California. I do not have income or insurance. And they're like, oh, we're sorry to hear that. Here is actually pretty good health insurance for free. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And they're like, well, just tell us if you start making money or if you get insurance. And I'm like, okay, that's fair. That is fair, Covered California. So then I got a job, um, but I don't yet have insurance through my job. So I was like, hey, Covered California. I make money now. Isn't that exciting? And they're like, oh my God, we love that for you. I'm like, this is how much money I make. And they're like, oh, great. That's so nice to hear. Oh, you want insurance? Well, it's going to be worse than what we gave you before. And it's going to be $440 a month. Also, you can't use it at the pharmacy that's everywhere in your town. You have to go to the pharmacy that's really inconvenient to get to if you want your prescriptions filled at all. Thanks. Like, fucking what? Ugh. And on top of that, they're like, well, normally it'd be like $500 a month, but we're giving you a discount. So it's only $440 a month. I, 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 you know, when they say things like this person just fell through the cracks of our system, it's more like this system is full of cracks that we refuse to fill. And this person was pushed into it by a, by a large pushing machine <laughs> <laughs> that we somehow have funded really well. <laughs> yeah, it's like our healthcare system is like a colander, and they're like <laughs> some people just fall through as they're smushing berries through the holes in the colander just like i don't know how this keeps happening people keep falling through the cracks (laughs) it's a perfectly person-sized hole (laughs) yeah yeah and just just like you gotta hope that you're you know facing that you're horizontal instead of vertical weirdly the only thing that doesn't fall through is the money that person has yeah (laughs) i don't uh... I don't know. Just <laughs> I'm imagining like an old timey like muckraker cartoon 
where it's like the Statue of Liberty smashing people through a colander that's like, I don't understand how they keep falling through the cracks. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it. That is exactly correct. So that's that's my life. Lady Liberty, Uncle Sam. I'm going to assume Uncle Sam, he seems like a capitalist asshole, is just smushing me through the colander that is life. And I'm just waiting for that health insurance to come. And I think, I, you know, I work at a nonprofit. It's not going to be great. I worry that I'm going to have to get Kaiser. And I just Ugh. don't want that in my life. I'm sorry. Anyway. Yeah. But I had brunch this morning, so it's not Yay! all bad. Yay! You know what else is not all bad? Hmm. Our Patreon. <gasps> in fact, it's all good. <laughs> It, it is full of smooth transitions, just like the one I just made. <laughs> Neil, tell our listeners about our Patreon. <laughs> I just thought it's like, I know you can have a non sequitur. Can you just have a sequitur? <laughs> Never. Never. <laughs> Our Patreon is patreon.com slash fmklitpod. There's a link in the description of this episode. I suggest you follow it because if you just try and search us through the search field and Patreon, it'll be hard to find us because we say dirty words. Such dirty words. Side note, something else I am hot and bothered by ever since uh, for, for a while now on YouTube and other sorts of things, the word abortion is being... Um, is being uh uh is being covered up or is being censored so if you want your video to be monetized you can't say abortion you also can't say murder you can't say rape you can't say sex you can't say nipple it's just like a lot of things you can't say anymore if you want to be monetized and it's i learned just last night watching a youtube video you can't say stripper yeah i bet you can't say drag either Oh, probably not. Jesus Christ. I don't... Well, I don't know. I was going to say there's a lot of drag queen videos on there, but I don't know if they're monetized or not. Yeah, let's just erase issues. Yeah. For the sake of money. That's a good idea. It's the best way to do it. Best yeah, way. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Should we get into these books? Let's talk about some books. The Midnight Gardener. A YA urban fantasy gay romance. The Town of Superstition. Book one. By R.G. Thomas. A lonely teenage boy whose father has moved them too often for him to make lasting friendships. A mysterious neighbor his own age who hums as he gardens. At night, surrounded by fireflies. Sorry, I have to point out. Who hums as he gardens, dot dot dot. At night, dot dot dot. Surrounded by fireflies. Superstition is the town Thaddeus Crane and his father Nathan have settled in this time. And every evening Thaddeus becomes more intrigued with his new neighbor. When Thaddeus finally works up the nerve to visit his neighbor, the crush blooming underneath surfaces, and he realizes that Teophil, the midnight gardener, is lonely as well. When his father finds out where he's been spending his time, Thaddeus is forbidden from returning, but the attraction is too strong, and soon Thaddeus is back in Teophil's yard, leading to the revelation of long-held secrets that upend Thaddeus's quiet life and sends him on the adventure of a lifetime. Claire. Yes. That's what that book says it's about. Uh-huh. Is that what the book is about? Well, sure. No, it's not. It's a no. lie. Anyway. It's, uh, I mean, okay. 
uh, avid listeners will know that at the end of last last time's uh, podcast, I was unsure if these were actually romance novels. <laughs> <laughs> you had one assignment, Claire. I know. I had high hopes. They both said they were romance novels. So anyway, here's to the first book, um, which is not a romance novel. <laughs> no. It, it is for the first half. Yeah. Uh, and I will say, I really think the author didn't know what he was going to do for a little bit until the author thought, I should make this a magic book. And then he went back and rewrote a couple of things to make that make sense. Barely. Barely. When we are introduced to Teofil, um, finally introduced, when we are in front of him, uh, like... At first, he's just described as somebody who's the same age as our narrator, who is Thaddeus, um, and, or our perspective character. And Thaddeus is about is 16. So he's described as being looking 16. And then a couple of paragraphs down, Thaddeus is like, and he's got a big, thick beard. <laughs> and I was like, nope, that's the first thing you recognize about anybody. It doesn't matter how old they are. You're just like... That guy's got a beard. Oh, and he's handsome. Like, that's just because it's first. It's just first in face. And, <laughs> first in face. And I feel like it's just something you would. So I was like, no, he wrote that in later um, when he decided that Teofil was a garden gnome. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, where are we going with this? This is interesting. So, Working backwards, so Thaddeus and his father move into a new house, and Thaddeus is 16. It's summertime, so there's no school yet. They've moved a lot, so they're really used to the rhythm of moving and unpacking things. Luckily, this house that they're renting is semi-furnished, unlike other places they lived before. So, so there's places for his books, which he loves his books, and FYI, um, I would really like any YA author who wants to bring up books and talk about how their their people are such big readers to please, please insert a couple of women. <laughs> there are so many men who have written fantasy and science fiction, but there are actually so many women as well. So many women. And it does not it does not take hard work to not talk about Highland anymore and to talk about Octavia Butler more anyway <laughs> so he has a list of of authors that he's read and he's very excited about and he's otherwise kind of like a kid who's really feeling his poverty like this book wants to set it in that this kid is like feeling very poor and he doesn't have any outlet for that he looks over at the other house next door and he's like that house looks like it's full of rich people i wish i had more and it looks like his father's actually trying as hard as he can, trying to get a job. He was fired from his last one. They keep moving towns. It's been very difficult. The mother died of some unknown thing that the father doesn't like to talk about. Nathan goes out into the world on his bike, and it's just a cute little town with lots of uh, curiosity shops, which he describes as souvenir shops, which are obviously magic shops. They are obviously magic shops. <laughs> Like so many of them are called straight up magic shops. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, and which is, and this is part of where I feel like the rewrite came in 
Because I feel like at first they weren't, and now they are. There's also a moment where Thaddeus is like, oh, look, the library. And we see earlier that he keeps the library card of every town he's ever been in since he's been old enough to like go to a library by himself. And he sees the library and is like, this doesn't look like any library I've ever seen before. I'm a skirt. I'm not going to go in. And then later he goes into the library. He's like, I'm not a skirt at all. And he just walks into the library, looks at some books, gets, gets a library card and the librarian's like staring at him. And then he leaves. And that's supposed to be a clue to us that magic is happening. Yeah. I mean, and he also has some very normal reaction, normal interactions with people that we're told is not normal. Mm hmm. I mean, so when he meets his father's boss, his father's boss is like, oh, my gosh, it's so nice to meet you. So exciting. Like, he's told me all about you. Hey, you know, I, I know that, like, you probably don't have a lot of pocket money. I got a couple extra jobs you can do in the back while your dad works here. I, you know, it would be great to have you around. And Thaddeus is like, what a weirdo. <laughs> to be fair, he did seem like a bit much. Oh, he seemed a bit much. I agree. But also, <laughs> a bit much is different from being like, what a weirdo. What a weirdo. And I was, Also, I have to say, for the first, I don't know, third of the book, I had no idea how Thaddeus felt about anything. It's just like, I don't have a lot of friends. The end. It's like, I need to know how you feel about that. Like... It's like the the author is assuming that we're going to be like, oh, he feels so lonely. But I'm like, sure, yeah. But also, it's just as likely that he has closed himself off and he's like, I don't need friends. And the the point of meeting this handsome gardener across the way is that he like learns, oh, I do need people in my life. It is good to open myself up to people. Like, there are different ways that people can feel about things. So just being like, oh, he was he, you know, he came home and then he played video games, but he played them already so that was boring and then he tried to read his books but he read all his books before and that was boring and then he watched some tv and that was boring like i that was a whole paragraph i did not need and didn't tell me anything about anything no well i mean but neil you usually have that in books where the characters grow and change and just getting new information fyi authors is not change <laughs> like, like you know like Learning new things about your past is an interesting thing that happens to a character. It is not character growth and change. So, I mean, you know, when the character's going to go nowhere, Neil, he might as well start absolutely nowhere, too. That's true. Um, so at nighttime, he hears a humming, like, and he looks across and down in the garden next door, which is a beautiful garden. There's a young man with a big beard who's working in it. He hums. There's fireflies everywhere, and he thinks this is great. He tries to talk to the guy, and the guy like disappears, like poof, out of here. Not you know, and doesn't like come back for a whole week. So our Thaddeus is like, well, I guess that didn't work. And then against his father's wishes, one day decides to take a shortcut from the town to his house through the woods. Um, and he gets lost immediately and then is chased by some big creature that we're just told to be afraid of. And I mean, I'm afraid. I don't know what it looks like. He doesn't describe it to us. He describes it later to his 
father much, much later when we need to know that information. <laughs> but for us, it's just a black shape that growls. So a black shape that growls, you know, chases him down. And then he is saved by the Midnight Gardener um, and brought into the adorable little garden next door, which is uh, Teofil's uh, garden. Teofil lives with his grandfather and gardens at night because... Um, reasons that just seemed unclear like just oh they need to sleep it's later made clear that it's because he's a gar magical garden gnome <laughs> and um they don't want neighbors who are human asking questions about what goes on in the house so uh it's just better for him to garden at night but he has to garden at night he has to garden for magical reasons that do make sense We'll get to later. <laughs> <laughs> also, his grandfather is not really his grandfather. Not really his grandfather. Um, There's a point to... Okay, so like I can see the moments where this writer was like, ooh, this is a clue that something's going on. But they were not well constructed. Like there's a point where... Teofil has introduced himself and he's like, oh, and then it's my grandfather, Leopold, last name. And Thaddeus is like, wait, shouldn't you and your grandfather have the same last name? And Teofil's like, uh, I guess so. And it's like, ooh, a clue. It's like, also, maternal grandfather. They'll have a different last name than you. Yeah. That um, normal thing that happens all the time. It was, and like, the part where like, the librarian was staring at him because she she shows up later and it's like oh it was a clue that she was staring at him it's like or 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 people stare at people especially when they're new in town like this it was not when we get to the actual magic stuff like when we get to the when we're talking about the garden stuff specifically i was like okay i'm kind of on board maybe this is sort of like a like a quasi gaiman esque like quiet there's something going on just on the other side of the fence and we're going to figure out what it is and like the image of somebody gardening and humming at night and fireflies just sort of like float around his head was really pretty and I'm like I, I can get on board with this and then all of a sudden you know like there's all these revelations that we'll get into and it just it it felt like it came out of nowhere it wasn't like, oh, I sent something's going on. And then when the revelation happens, like, oh, that's what's been going on this whole time. Of course. It's like, fucking what? Did I pick up a different book all of a sudden? Well, the revelation was also too big. Like. Yeah. All at once and literally 50% in. Yeah. All at once. And it was such a huge revelation. Like, I, I also was kind of wanting like this small magic. You know, like mm -hmm. something like something attainable, but also something beautiful and something related to the romance. Yeah. Because here's the thing. Where it felt like it was leading us for the whole first half of the book. Like oh, it yeah. felt like a romance. And then all of a sudden it was like YA magic adventure. Yeah. I mean, the mo so he stays out all night with Teofil in the garden. And when the sun comes up, he's like, oh, shit, I stayed out all night with you. Um, I should go back. And they have this awkward, cute little goodbye. He heads back over to his side and his father's at the table and is like, where the fuck were you? And he's like, oh, shit. Right. 
oh, like he looks at his phone. He sees that there was all these messages and he's like, crap, um, I was just right next door, actually. And he tells the whole truth. Like I was right next door with this guy, the kid next door, Teofil. He's a he gardens at night. Like and I just hung out with him all night. And his dad was like, you were next door. Like I went all over town looking for you when you were just next door. And he's like, yeah. And he's like, and the kid's name is Teofil. And he says, and the dad's like, what? That's not a real revelation, FYI. The dad didn't know the kid. None of that is actually important. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, it made it seem, and then he's like, you can't ever see him again. And. uh, And at one point, Thaddeus is like. Not seeing each other was dumb. Yeah, Thaddeus is. Uh, in the narration was like his father's reaction didn't make sense and I highlighted that I was like thank you for pointing that out no it does not yeah it no, didn't feel motivated by anything no and we're also told like very clearly that his father was perfectly fine with him being gay like like they hadn't had the coming out talk because the father was also like I mean whoever you bring home it's fine like, yeah. like there's a part two that was really sweet he was like you know what if you start to have feelings for girls boys girls and boys whoever it is just like that's fine and you can always bring someone home if you feel that they're kind of special and you want to bring them home but like just making out and a little bit of groping you're too young for anything else i was like good job dad good job yeah no and i was like and so there didn't need to be a coming out moment like everybody was comfortable and happy with who they were so the so then it like was making us believe that he's like, oh, you can't be with this boy when we we knew that to never be true. So I'm just like, what is happening? Right. So, and again, it didn't feel like uh, there's a bigger secret. It just felt like uh, his father, Nathan's gone crazy. Also, I don't think they said the name Nathan for like 50% of this book. So when Nathan walked through, it was like, who? <laughs> who? Who be what? Like, Nathan walked on through. I was like, who did? What? <laughs> <laughs> Who's this guy? And that was already because uh, because uh, Thaddeus's mother's name is Claire. And so then when Nathan walked through, that's the name of my brother. And so I was like, wait, who? Why? <laughs> <laughs> we just needed your sister's name in there to complete the set. Honestly, it was close too. I, bet, I wish I, the I wish the. Um, the neighbor had or the uh librarian had had your sister's name oh my god molly would have been a perfect name for that woman yeah anyway whatever um (laughs) not naming all characters after me and my siblings fine how dare they um so the romance the the best part of the romance the most adorable part so after they see each other this one time they can't really see each other for a while Thaddeus is coming home late from work one night and he's straight up attacked by this creature. And at this point, I thought it was a werewolf. I was like, it's a werewolf and he's been bitten by a werewolf. And because his father's like, you have to tell me what you were bitten by. And I was like, his dad knows about werewolves. (laughs) Now he's a werewolf. Shit's going down. I don't know what it is, but stuff's happening. Um, (laughs) It was what's going on, but never in a fun way. Yeah, and so, uh, FYI, not a werewolf. No werewolf stuff is happening. He explains to his dad what bit him, which is when we finally get a full description of what bit him. And the dad is like, okay, okay, I guess I'll think about that. And I'm like, why? Why are we thinking about that? And then the dad explains exactly what's happening to Thaddeus in extremely medical terms, which I'm like, wow, just tell him he needed stitches. I don't need you to pretend to be a doctor here. Um, 
And then they go home and he's got to recuperate. And the most adorable thing that happens <gasps> is um, uh, is that the neighbor kid, Teofil, sends a fairy over with a different flower every night from the garden for Thaddeus. So Thaddeus can put it in his water glass next to the bed. And it is so adorable because like, you know, like, you know, Thaddeus now knows, you know, has, you know, by now through Teofil, like learned a little bit about what, that there's magic, that there's garden gnomes, that there's fairies, you know, and, and that this creature that's following him is a magical creature of some kind. He hasn't told any of this to his dad yet. Um, but when his dad comes to check on him in the morning, he sees that there's more flowers, but he just looks at them and doesn't say anything. So he knows too, in a way, and this was perfect. This small, lovely magic that was so romantic, too. I just wanted the whole book to be shit like that. Oh, I mean, and it was so... It was beautiful and adorable and magical in all the right ways. Like, just leaving your window open for the humming midnight gardener to send his fairies through with flowers for you. Uh. Holy shit. I mean, but that's the end of that. Um... (laughs) There's no, there's none more. There's some kisses, which are fine, but they also feel rushed. Like the author was like, oh, right. It was a romance. They have to kiss. Um, there was, there was one part that was cute where like Teofil complimented Thaddeus and he like, his first reaction was just to like make this loud, obnoxious laugh. And then he like threw his hand over his mouth and was just like, what the fuck am I doing? That was cute. No, that was all adorable like all of these like first time things it was very cute um and it was hampered down by harry potter bullshit so (laughs) (laughs) after this we very quickly find out that um because as soon as thaddeus is better he goes back over to the garden so we can see teofil um teofil's quote-unquote grandfather comes out of the house and says like you know trespasser trespasser you shouldn't be here uh like Thaddeus's father Nathan comes over and he's like what the hell I told you never to come over here there's a fight and then uh that's when Thaddeus's father and the grandfather look at each other and go you you and then um and then from there we find out that Nathan our father uh and his wife claire were magician well he was a wizard she was a witch they're from a far off village that was a magical village that was hidden from everybody else and there was uh, sort of a civil war within that uh you know they were that there was fights uh nathan and claire were the good ones and they just had their new baby and they tried to fight off the baddies uh had a hard time doing it had to hide the baby claire fought her damnedest against the bad witch and then like um you know was hit with a spell that transformed her uh somebody else tried to the, the this leo leo guy tried to save her it didn't work out so good so he took her body and was like i'll still save you even though you're cursed Nathan didn't know any of this. He just knew he was like being tracked down by the baddies. And so he went into the human world with his son and just tried to make his way, but also tried to find his wife and this Leo guy who he knew was out there somewhere, had a hard time, finally tracked him down. And this is where we all are. It's too big. 
It's too big. <laughs> it was so much all at once to the point that like they were describing how the mom got hit with the spell and everybody thought that she died. But Leopold happened to be there and deflected it sort of and blah, blah, blah. And just like the details of it all were so muddy because it was just like all of it all at once. I was just like, I don't I don't understand what's happening. And then um, and then also like Teofil was voluntold to live with. Leopold and he hasn't seen his family and he's like trapped inside the house and then the family shows up and they're like 27 brothers and sisters and it's just uh, it's so much yeah and 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 like the magic like all fell apart and didn't make sense anymore now that we have to talk about it yeah. um the librarian is a good witch and she's going to be helpful the boss who was uh uh who was who <laughs> who ran a sporting goods store apparently as a cover. <laughs> like There was um, a point that it's like, oh yeah, it's a sporting goods store, but because of all the tourists, it's open late at night. I'm like, what? Just make it like a grocery store or something. Like there are plenty of businesses that normally stay open late at night. Why do you have to make it a sporting goods store? Also, like it just it just felt so bizarre to me. That like like Thaddeus was getting off work at midnight from a sporting goods store. <laughs> It's like what? Yeah, and everybody knows people who really are into sports go to bed at eight because <laughs> <laughs> they're getting up at four thirty so they can run up a mountain or whatever. Yeah, no, they're not <sighs> wasting daylight. They're up early and then they go to bed at like stupid early hours, and they have to <laughs> they have to watch Game of Thrones like on a train on the way to their next cool adventure. Like you know, they're not doing shit the way the rest of us are doing it. Anyway, <laughs> stupid exercise people. <laughs> Just before we started recording, listeners, Claire was telling us the weird interactions she's had with people when she's trying to sign up for gyms. And All it's of just my like, gym interactions are weird. I met like... What? A crazy, like, end of the world, like, woman who, like, I helped do yoga. And then she was like, let me give you some advice. Get a gun and buy some land. I was like, thanks, lady. <laughs> I met another guy who was And just then like, you moved to Texas, so oh, you're halfway there. I know. The, I mean, so far, all the guys I met at the gym here just open the door for you and then get pissed when you don't say thank you, even though you had headphones on and couldn't. <laughs> it's like, you know what? You open the door. You get what you get, man. <laughs> I am also thankful, FYI. I just, you know, whatever. Um, back to the book. So, sure. I mean, we've kind of wrapped it up because the truth is this is a part one. We don't get to the neat stuff until the next book, I guess. The The best thing, though, the best thing was that we, that I really did enjoy about this book, but it was also irritated by Nathan keeps asking, where's my wife? Where's my wife? Where's my wife? Like, he know, like, we've thought she was dead this whole time, but she's been transfigured by some sort of, you know, curse. And he wants to know where she is. And the guy refuses also, to tell. Sorry, I have to interject. We, the readers, find out she's not dead because she comes to Thaddeus in a dream. Yeah. And she's like, I'm not dead. And it's so dumb. It was, uh, it was dumb. So... So we know she's around somewhere, and then um, she's been transformed into something. You may not like her. You may not recognize her. You may not know her. Things like that. And then finally, we find out what Teofil was gardening for. He was 
he was protecting and create which and this is i think cool i'm gonna say mm-hmm. it he was uh he was protecting and gardening these flowers which uh when buried over a dragon keep a dragon asleep and i'm like that's magical and a lovely sort of magic so when they want to wake up the dragon they just rip out all these thorny beautiful flowers and out wakes a dragon the moment they've pulled out the last one a fucking dragon bursts from the ground and honestly that's fucking cool and the next thing i think is your mom's a dragon that's fucking (laughs) awesome yeah the mom is a dragon now yeah and honestly fucking cool yeah that was pretty cool oh great i can't wait for oh we are 95 percent of the way through this book I will not know about it because I'm not going to read the rest of these books. No, there are four of them. Good for that. I think this could have been one book, one thick book that I wouldn't have read anyway. Um, Anyway, so all of the other romance between Teofil and Thaddeus is like kisses that are kind of stolen moments between the adventuring stuff that's going on. And it's they're you know they're cute but it also like man it slows down the pace right away yeah some cool adventure stuff is happening and it's like literally people are yelling we've got to go and then we spend two pages on like will they kiss won't they kiss they have to be cute and adorable and i'm like no we should the tension for the kiss we should be ramping that up and like the kiss should be like this wonderful musical moment of like of the love and the romance and we've been expecting it and waiting for it it should not be a literal showstopper while everything stops dead so we can wait for this thing to end yeah yeah it just it felt like two completely different books like and literally at 50 percent, the first half of the book felt like one book the second half of the book felt like another book and it's like if it's if it's about the romance with teofil make it about the romance with teofil if it's about the like secret magical world stuff get to that a shit ton sooner like i ugh. oh my god the the balance was weird the pacing of it was super bizarre um there were moments when <laughs> oh my god there were moments that like they didn't talk like people like there's, <laughs> there's a point when thaddeus wasn't scared of the library anymore and he went into the library and was like what information do you require of an individual to to administer a library card? I'm like, what fucking 15-year-old talks like that? What on earth are you talking about? Um, so, yeah, it was it was crazy. And then I will say I something that I did appreciate is that when he was lost in the woods, he was like, well, I, I have my cell phone. It doesn't have any service. And because we're poor, I have a flip phone that doesn't have a flashlight. So I'm trapped in the dark. And I'm like... Great. You acknowledge that phones that that were in cell phone times and why they aren't helping you right now. I appreciate that very much. Yeah. Um, and then there were some actiony things that is just like not like so he's being chased by the beast at one point and then he sees and he knows that the evil witch and her people can like ha- can and have transformed themselves so that they so that everyone who knew them can't recognize them. And there's a point where he's running from the the beast the the baragon um which is bear and dragon put together but it's like bear dragon and something else I and think, wolf like, but there's wolf. not wolf in the no it's it's a baragon which it's means baragon it's a or wolf baragon. dragon bear a wolf dragon bear um 
so he's running from the beast and then he sees the librarian vivian and he's like oh no is this the evil witch am i am i about to get murdered and she's like run with me i'll help you and he's like i guess i gotta either she's gonna kill me or she's not we'll find out what happens and then they're running around for a while and then the beast jumps at them and then she like uses magic and scares it away and i'm like why why didn't she do that earlier totally could have just done that before i know there was no reason no. why she didn't do it earlier. Also, it was very much one of those things. It's just like, I recognized you the moment I saw you. How? How? I, whatever. And she had his address. Why not track down his dad? <laughs> like, oh, I recognized you the moment I saw you because you looked like your father. So then I decided I should track down your father. <laughs> and right? say, hey. Welcome to the town I'm in. <laughs> We're friends from, from the village, from the before times. Oh. We fought in the war. But the way that they said it, like, that she kind of helped, like, raise um, Thaddeus just a little bit in the first cup in the first year after they were separated. And I'm like, uh-huh. oh, sexy shit went down. Because, <laughs> no. like, the way they looked at each other, like, Nathan and this lady were like, Oh, hey. And I was like, oh! I'm positive got, that didn't happen. No, but... I got the sense he just needed a wet nurse. Yeah, no. I mean, I got that too, oh. but I decided in my head <laughs> I had an affair. In my brains. And then I also decided that Nathan's book is more interesting than Thaddeus's. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> God. Anyway, um... Is that all you have to say about that? Yeah, that's it. Oh, there were a couple things. Like, there was one point where we find out, like, I want to say it was, like, 60-something percent in that it's like, oh, he would feel guilty all the time about the fact that he never remembered his mother. Like, I needed this sooner. And, like, oh, he was always so lonely. I'm sorry. It is 45% into this book. I needed this sooner. Yeah, and I I get the feeling like what he was trying to do was show, not tell. Like, he's lonely because he only has his books and video games. I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to show us his feeling lonely. Right. (laughs) When when the other kids walk into the library, like, he should, he, he, like, he, he, his eyes followed them longingly, wanting to know their secrets, wanting to know what fun things they were talking about. What books were they reading? But then he decided it was, he was too shy and not quite ready. Mm-hmm. But all the way home, he thought about those kids. And all while he was reading his books, he thought about those kids. There, that's how you show loneliness. And also without just saying he's lonely. Right. Or the, he was he was home alone a lot because of his yeah. dad's work schedule. And so it was sort of like the the silence of the house was oppressive. Like it always was. No matter where they went, every the silence of every house even though it felt different, it was still oppressive and he couldn't help but feel trapped in his own loneliness or something like that. Yeah. Just like anything. Yeah. Uh, no. We only find that out at the moment when that becomes plot important. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Which was frustrating. Yeah. No. So that was that book. That was The Midnight Gardener by Archie Thomas. Night Gardening by E.L. Swan. Maggie's recovering from a stroke in her overgrown and neglected garden in wealthy Cambridge, Massachusetts. 
Tristan, a landscape architect, is rebuilding the garden next door for the new homeowners. He spies Maggie through a crack in the stone wall between the two properties, and he is intrigued by her beauty and her strong will as she tries to learn how to speak and walk again. The affair between Tristan and Maggie rejuvenates both of them, and Maggie's neglected garden thrives. Night Gardening is a story about the healing power of love, but also a romantic tale about passion blooming in life's later years. Neil. Yes. Is that what that book was about? Yeah, pretty much. That's a good, that's a good, that's a good back cover. Um, I say back cover this, uh, there is no e-reader version of this book. So we had to listen to it, listen. which is not normally how I like to ab- absorb uh, literature simply because I absorb information better reading it. Um, but it was a fun, just like, you know, it was a fun experience. Anyway, um, so I have to say right off the bat, our narrator, Dick Hall, he did a great job either Boston or not Boston, but like Massachusetts accents are atrocious or his weren't the best because he would do certain characters with these really heavy like Massachusetts accents. And I'm just like, what? Why do people talk like that? What is even <laughs> happening? I I really thought like. Okay, I don't have the ear for accents that you do. So usually, like, if I just don't feel taken out, then I feel like it's fine. And what I did like is whether or not it was accurate, he gave a different accent, a slightly different accent to everybody. So, Mm. and it felt like, so like Maggie, when she was deep in her memories, like had an Irish, a slight Irish lilt. We'll get into that. Yeah. I mean, again, correct or not. But I thought like when she was deep in her memories and that I really did enjoy the way it just sort of like eased into that and eased back out of it. And I liked that her two children had these heavy Boston accents, these heavy like, um, no, not not Boston accents, but heavy um, uh, Kennedy accents, (laughs) like rich people massachusetts accents and and i thought like and they they were both slightly different because one was you know like a villain and one wasn't so um the more villainous one had a heavier had a had a heavier kennedy than the other (laughs) one did he sounded a little bit like mayor quimby from the simpsons he did he did and i I appreciated that and then tristan um and, you know, goes all over. So he had less of an accent entirely, which so in those things, like, I mean, as far as storytelling goes and like accuracy and performance, whatever. But like mm-hmm. storytelling, I appreciated it. Yeah. He also he was good about voices. So like when it was Tristan, I knew it was Tristan. When it was Maggie, I knew it was Maggie. I could tell the kids we have various like physical therapists and helpers. They all kind of blended together. It's fine. It doesn't matter. They're not important. Um, Okay. So let's get into it. So Maggie is from, and now I've forgotten the neighborhood, even though they said it a gajillion times. Um, She's from a poor Irish neighborhood and she met this man. Adams. Yeah. Yeah. Cause the son was a junior. Okay. So she met this man, Adams from like this, wealthy Cambridge, Massachusetts family. And that was unheard of. And they got married and 
So she like had this lavish life. He passed away. She's in her 60s and she had a stroke. And now she's in the process of recovering from that. And she's kind of stalled out because she's like, well, I never loved my husband. Um, my kids are alcoholics and kind of the worst. <laughs> and now I'm being taken care of by these women that I can't stand. She liked a couple of them, but like the the night nurse or whomever. She's like, I cannot stand this woman. Oh, and for good reasons. Yeah. Oh, and for good reasons. And um, she has this big, beautiful garden and in the the late husband's will she's only allowed to like set aside a cer- she's only allowed to spend a certain amount of money a year on the garden and like we find out later that he knew how much she spent on it every year and then like purposefully left her only half of that in the year to be spiteful about it oh, so yeah. her garden that she loves so much has become like overgrown and like she likes to do the actual gardening herself and like she's not able to do that because mobility is an issue speaking is an issue and there's this really beautiful moment where she realizes that after the stroke other than the fact that now she has to pay someone to like spend the night to make sure she doesn't like you know something doesn't happen that her life hadn't changed all that much she's like oh shit i wasn't doing anything i wasn't really living i was just kind of like existing And so she's trying to, like, reconcile that. Meanwhile, a new couple has moved in uh, next door. And they're having probably the house renovated as well. But all we really care about is the fact that they're renovating the garden. Yeah, it's mentioned in, like, this is the garden is, like, phase four of the entire renovation. Yeah. It's just, like, just this huge overhaul of this property. Yeah, and this is this enormous house, and it's one of their, like, seven properties all (laughs) over the country or whatever. Um, And so they've brought in this famous uh, landscape architect to sort of redo their garden, and (laughs) we're inside of his brain for a little bit, and I kind of love it. He's just like, all these rich women want the same type of garden because they're told that's what they want, and, like... It's fine if you like it, but I'm sick of doing the same garden over and over and over again, man. I just want something else. And so Maggie comes to realize that they're renovating the garden. So now she wants to spend more time outside. So like she has her breakfast out on the balcony or whatever. So she can like see that happening. And of course the helpers are like, oh, no, it's much too loud out there, Maggie. And she's like, no, it's fine. Um <laughs> <laughs> no don't go down that rod uh, <laughs> which i'm told is more like maine and rhode island but um but whatever we're making whatever new fine. england whatever um so and then there's a moment where uh tristan who's the landscape architect he notices uh like a little crack in the wall and he looks up and he sees her and he's like look at that beautiful woman in that wheelchair what's what's her deal and so then there's a point this was amazing that she's like, Oh, I want to like spend more time outside. And she was outside doing her physical therapy and she like falls. Cause they, cause after the stroke, they're like, you can recover more. Like you're going to basically get your life back yet. Like your mobility, your ability to speak all of that. You just have to work at it. And she hasn't been motivated to work at it, but knowing that there's like 
work being done on this garden next door. She's like, oh, maybe I'll like try and use the walker outside. And there's a point where she falls and everyone's like, oh, no, Mag, are you okay? And then she, from where she's on her back and from where she's lying, it looks like these giant Japanese elms are just like floating past her on the other side of the wall. And she is so enchanted by this and we find out later that the, you know they're like moving them in to be planted but from her point of view it's like they're they're floating it's just like oh my god this is fucking amazing oh my god yes you know, i'm so was, excited about this and this was such a romantic moment too because it's the first time she meets tristan because tristan he's enraptured by this woman so he sees her fall and he's like he he's he i i i just get the feel they didn't do it from his perspective but that he just vaulted over that wall oh yeah he did for sure and it was like i'm coming for you and then he sees her lying on the ground and his instinct and like ha- like smiling and his instinct is to lie down next to her and she says look and he looks up and he sees like and just instantly gets it just mm-hmm. instantly gets like we're watching the trees and she knows all the Latin names for the trees. Mm-hmm. And because of her, like the particular way the stroke worked, like she's, she's temporarily paralyzed on one side of her body. And that's also prevented her. So she can't lift her arm. She can't lift her leg and she can't like speak very well. So she has to like frame the thoughts. But when she's doing the Latin for these, for these plants, it just comes out. She doesn't even have to frame the thought. And she, like her tongue isn't thick anymore. And he's just like enraptured by this woman who is beautiful and strong and sees magic around her Mm -hmm. everywhere and knows the Latin names for the things he loves. And they just lay there and watch the trees float by. And I'm just like, fuck yes. And more than that, she's like, oh my God, I've never seen one that big. That must be so expensive. And he's like, oh, it costs about this much. And she's like, oh my God, that's ridiculous. And like, she obviously knows about gardening. And so then he just decides to like at night come over and help her redo her garden and it's really sweet and like they kind of have this it it felt almost like a fairy tale like it kind of felt like the 12 dancing princesses where it's like every night she's like okay everyone all my helpers all right i'm going to bed now and then she would like put on her her silk pants and her silk top and like sneak out and like pilfer things from the kitchen so they could have dinner and like sneak out into the garden and then they would like work in the garden together and have dinner and get to know each other and laugh and it was really great it was really lovely it was so and then and like the way that they talked about the garden it never felt like bathtubbing um you know longtime listeners know that bathtubbing for us means just like it's over explaining of non non-important things to the plot about the things that are happening around and over explaining it um, instead of just letting the world breathe. And this really did feel like it was because they found garden magical and mm-hmm. they like there was a purpose to everything and everything that they did. And so like all of this was explained because it was also part of like the like Maggie put it later like this, like when you're building the self, like who you are, you sort of furniture, you have furniture in your mind of like, the places you go where you're happy and the things you want to think about, the things in your life that make up who you are. And that is her garden, like the step garden, which has like all of these beautiful little parts. Those are all parts of her inner life. And so when they're describing it and when they're refurbishing it, when they're taking out the weeds, like you can feel that that's what they're doing to Maggie. Like they're Mm -hmm. not just like, 
weeding a garden of these like pepper plants. They are like refurbishing this woman's mind. Mm-hmm. Oh God. It was like, yeah, it was, it was great. So and lovely. it like, it, it was like, she realized now that she's in love with Tristan, she never actually loved her husband. Like, it wasn't it wasn't terrible, but like she never actually loved him. She just said yes because like I guess that's what you do now. And then it wasn't like, oh, his love for her that cured her. It was like her love gave her the reason to then work through like to go from the wheelchair to the walker to the cane and to like to work on her, her speech therapy and stuff like that. And so it wasn't like magic dick at all. It was very much like, oh, now I have a reason to want to get up and move around because now I can like be in my garden together or with this very attractive man. He did sound very attractive. Um, oh, yeah. They're contemporaries. They're both, I, I want to say they're both like 64-ish. Yeah. Um, so, and he's a widower, right? Or did the wife yeah, just leave? She, no, uh, she just left. Um, he never got remarried. So this um, this all takes place in the late 90s because this mm-hmm. book came out in 1999. So it's pre-cell phone times. But it also like um, both of these people had, you know, lived a full life. And so you can also feel the the movement of time through like their experiences of like their past relationships, like his wife had um like they had gotten together when he was headed off being shipped off to korea to fight in korea and then when he came back he got a job at uh, a company that was rebuilding um bases in bases in vietnam so he never he didn't fight in vietnam but he went to vietnam rebuilding these bases and that's when he and his wife were in their most in love and they had their babies And then when he comes back, like they both sort of realize this wasn't the life they wanted. She gets really heavy into that side of the women's movement that was very much about um, uh, going to meetings and probably spending too much money with like bad, uh, bad, like, uh, like life coaches. (laughs) And and, um, she ends up needing a lot of freedom and becomes addicted to drugs and alcohol. And so she leaves him. And so he raises their daughters himself. Um, Mm -hmm. And he sounds like he was a very good father. He also sounds like he was a neglectful husband who really had no idea what his wife wanted or needed. And, uh, and also didn't understand that there could be a person out there who understood him and the things he wanted. So when he meets Maggie, he like he's just been going through the motions like he doesn't even see his children anymore like he's just mm-hmm. like working all the time on landscapes he doesn't want to work on and so when it's him and maggie he sort of realizes oh this is what a strong independent woman looks like <laughs> even though she needs help even though she needs people around her 24 7 she gets what she wants she is her own person she like makes what she wants happen And this is actually Maggie learning that that's who she is at the moment. (laughs) She's Mm -hmm. like, oh, wait, even though I'm surrounded by people, fuck it. I can do whatever I want. (laughs) (laughs) And it's it's kind of lovely that they just sort of have this like growing up moment together at the same time in their Mm -hmm. 60s. Yeah. So we get to a point where they're 
dating. They're seeing each other every night. And then the book kind of doesn't know what to do with itself for a little while. And then we just hear a lot of stories about her childhood and this priest that she knew. And oh, I wrote it. It's like, the oh, stories. FYI, everybody. It's good. This guy's a very nice man. It's fine. He's just an older gentleman who's friends with the family. Like, literally, yeah. it's fine. There's but no it's just stories. like grandma reminiscing about stories from her past for like three chapters. And that's kind of all that happens. Yeah. Um, they also do this thing because, you know, she has red hair that's still red despite her age. And then like she would go and stay with a great aunt in Ireland or whatever. So sometimes she would have her Irish accent. She, she was like diet Irish. And I'm like, not to say that doesn't happen, but like, why not just make her Irish if you want to like, you know, oh, she's from the poor Irish neighborhood. Just like make her Irish. I don't know. Um and then there's at some point, and like, I could have done without the subplot entirely, that she realized that the priest was actually probably her father. And it just like came to her suddenly, and then it didn't mean anything. Like, it, it didn't affect anything in any way, other than yeah. just like, oh, that priest who was really nice to my mom and me, he's my father. Moving on. So, <laughs> anyway. So then, meanwhile, she's like, my husband my late husband's family everyone is fucking alcoholics and my kids are fucking alcoholics and my daughter seems to be wanting to do something about that so i'm going to support her my son is a fucking asshole and in fact then he starts being like oh yeah how'd you how'd you manage to i'm not doing the right accent but he's basically like how are you able to renovate the garden like that with the with the money and the that's left to you are you dipping into the money more and she's like no of course not even if i wanted to i couldn't so like i don't so he's getting all like ah the money um and, and then he like he's he mismanages money often like oh yeah it's so, very much like oh the family got rich and then the men never really had to do anything because they got yeah. to the point that the money was just making itself and they could be as incompetent as they wanted to be yeah um so then she sort of reconciles with her daughter which is nice her daughter's name is seal seal yeah is it short for lucille uh unknown She's just seal the whole time. S E A L seal. I it was very anyway, and then the son is Adams Jr. Um, so we see okay, so we have this book. There's this beautiful romance. We see Maggie standing up for herself. She has this like night nurse that she can't stand, and obviously is just like trying to get Maggie to bed as soon as she can, so that she also can like sneak away and sneak booze. Um, and we see Maggie stand up to her and fire her and be like, I don't need you anymore. Um, and like, great. And then there's this, and then we, there's like, she gets contacted by this weird lawyer about how the house is up for sale. And she's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. So it feels like we're building up to the situation. There's like a, like a kind of confrontation with the son and this other lawyer about how he's basically trying to like prove that she's spending his future inheritance on the garden so that he can like get all the money for himself and it feels like it's building to this like big standoff this big resolution it feels like it's building to something and then she dies yep yeah and then and then she has a i'm assuming another stroke and then she is dead she is dead i was so fucking pissed 
<laughs> Christine's face right now, listeners. Like, I've read books. Okay, so at the end of um, Love in the Time of Cholera, the two the two lovers who have been pining for each other the entire book now are in their 70s or 80s and get on a boat together. And it's just like, it's a metaphor for death. Like, these two people are together and now they're going off to die together. And like... I cried so hard at the end of that book because it was so well earned. Like these two people had lived a whole life and like this is what they wanted. They just needed to be together in peace. Um, Maggie's death at the end made no sense. It it was just cruel. It was just cruel. <laughs> because it wasn't even like... Like the only mercy out of it is that she was able to like get to her favorite part of her garden, but it it wasn't like she was like stressing out about something. She was worried about stuff, and then all of a sudden, like it seemed like she was having another stroke. It's just like I I don't know why why are we doing this? What's the I point? Other like... other than like if if more of the book had been about like oh find happiness while you can. And then, like her last thought was, "Oh, but I was happy." Then, it, then, sure, I'd I'd have been upset, but it would have been at least sweet. But yeah, it was literally just like, "Oh no, my son's gonna steal my house, and what's gonna happen to my garden?" And now she's dead. Yeah, no, and I mean, even Tristan's like build up in his life, like it was it was very much like, "No, no, 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 you should be doing what you love. Like you shouldn't be wasting your time on these." rich women's gardens who you don't appreciate mm -hmm. and we get that moment later when he's with another rich woman in an entirely different environment and she also wants a white garden and he's just like oh it's like, this. he's like <laughs> we're in where were they they were somewhere new mexico they were the, yeah mexico. he's like we're in fucking new mexico what the fuck are you talking about lady yeah and he's like i'm gonna pass this i'm gonna pass her on to this other guy like i'm not doing this so like you get the feeling like and you even get the sense like because he talks about his kids so much near the end that he does also want to get in better contact with his children and like bring them back into his life and remember the beauty of his own garden and his own things and i was like this is great but like maggie like or maggie's death didn't serve to help him in any way no like, like she just died and then the next spring they are doing her memorial and he's just making her garden nice uh, and has obviously planned the whole memorial and has gotten close to seal. Um, and in that sense, like you, I, I did get kind of a feeling like he's going to be seals new dad, the same way that the Monsignor was Maggie's father. <laughs> like, and he's going to teach her how to like, He's going to be her garden priest. But, like, that's not the story I needed. That wasn't important to me. Nothing. No. Like, like, they had plans for, and I'm going to say something in a second, but, like, they had plans. Maggie and Tristan had plans to go back to Tristan's place so that she could see his garden. They had, like, told everybody that they were together. And it was, I didn't even need them to have that much time together. But, like the book could have ended in such a way where it's just like, you know, we know Maggie's in poor health and it's, you know, whatever. But like, why? It was just like, it was just like we spent this whole book saying beautiful things. And now I want this to be important. So I'm going to kill her. 
you know? And it's like, no, no, they could have had a happy ending. You just, <laughs> you just did this to fuck with us. Yeah. <sighs> I, yeah, I enjoyed it. And it's like, yes, I'm upset that she died because I wanted them to end up together. So it's like, oh, you did your job as a romance. But on the other hand, it didn't serve anything. No. Her death didn't serve anything or mean anything. If, if it had wanted, meant something, then yeah. okay, sure. Like, you know, them's the breaks. That's what happens. And like, if that had, if that had been the point of just like, you know, life is fickle. Like if it had been more about like, oh, like you enjoy the flowers in the spring, but then, you know, when it gets to the summer and fall, then they die. And like beauty is temporary. Happiness is temporary. If it had been more about that, I've been like, okay, well I saw this coming and yeah, it sucks, but it like, it, it serves the metaphor. And so here we are. And I have this lesson I can take away f- from me, but it was it like, there's a point that it's just like, oh, don't talk about summer while we're still in spring. And it's like, okay, so don't don't think about what might be ahead. Just enjoy where we are. And then she just fucking dies. Oh, yeah. It was, I mean, it and was the, whole, like, the whole metaphor of the garden was so often like, like the you know things survive, mm-hmm. things survive yes. tragedy. And it's and it's like, did I need to know that Tristan was going to survive the tragedy of Maggie dying? No, I knew he was going to be fine. There was never a moment where I thought like, well, and let's see, hope Tristan survives this. It was like, no, he was a perfectly stable gentleman who was always going to be fine. Um, I, I mean, and I get like, like you were saying that, like, what if the book was trying to teach us about mortality and like, you know, whatever. But it was like, but I know about mortality. I'm good on that subject. I'm what you had taught me to love two people. <laughs> and then and with some of the most romantic imagery that we've read in any of our books. Mm-hmm. Like like the mo- like he takes her to the garden next door because there's a there's a pond for swimming in. And it's like and they in in midnight in their clothes because he's like I won't make you skinny dip it's too cold outside. They get in and he just carefully brings her in the water and like she opens her legs and can feel like the water coming between her legs and she just feels at peace for the first time and she's weightless and she doesn't have to worry about her limbs just now and all of her worries and he's there like kissing her ear and like saying sweet things to her and it in this dark garden at night and I was like fuck you killing her <laughs> fuck you the sex fuck scenes were you. fabulous <laughs> and then yeah why why what oh, it was so aggravating I know that the sex scenes were wonderful they were consensual the whole time mm-hmm. he never like he was always just like are you okay is this all right and like he wanted like after they had sex the first time where he's just you know, he kind of takes off his pants a little bit and they just sort of quick fuck. Um, he's like, okay, now let's change positions. And that's the part I, I had play out loud where he like lays back and like helps her get on top of him. Yeah. And then there are so- parts in it. There are parts that like, they kind of had to like maneuver a little bit, like, especially with her mobility issues. And like that, that made it all the sweeter that it just like, it oh. felt, it wasn't like, you know, perfect it was it was two people sort of like 
fumbling around in the dark trying to find pleasure in each other. And I was like, oh, it was so lovely. Fuck you for killing her. No, there's no reason. No Uh, reason. Like, I desperately wanted, like, Tristan to come through, like, as she's having her, like, you know, as she's having this attack and, like, pick her up and, like, hold her in the garden. And then, like, she's she's okay. And, like, they're, they're, you know, and she gave up the house just fine, Adams, take it, take the money. This man, you know, like it's me and this man and like her new, you know, gardener monk is going to like help her through the end of her days. And we know she's going to die. She's an older woman. It's fine. But fuck you, Buck. Fuck you. And that was Night Gardening by E.L. Swan. <laughs> Are you ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? Am I ready? Let's play Fuck Mary. 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 Claire, huh? fuck Mary, kill Adams, Nathan, or the Baragon. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. So, because I thought that Nathan's book would be way more interesting, <laughs> and I am reading an awful lot of single dad romance books right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think Nathan could probably get it. So I'm probably going to marry Nathan. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, uh, and that means that I'm going to have to fuck the Baragon. <laughs> Baragon can get it. <laughs> He's dragon, bear, wolf. We all know how I feel about wolves. With a scaly tail, too. Look, it's happening. But it's only happening once. <laughs> <laughs> and then Vivian shows up and, and casts a spell and scares him away. Uh, yeah, so uh, that means I'm going to have to kill Adams because fuck that guy. He's a monster. Oh, God. I mean, like, uh, like talk about elder abuse. He did not care about his mother one bit. Mm-mm. He'd just gotten a divorce. He'd like, you know, he was an alcoholic. Uh, he tried to steal the mom's house right from under her. And I'm sorry, if my awful father had decided to, in his will, put that, like, this woman whose entire life was her garden could only spend X amount of money, I would have, like, crossed that out and been like, well, he's dead now. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine mom here's an extra 30,000 because you have a Japanese garden and that shit takes money honey mm-hmm. <laughs> so no like that guy was awful so he's dead Yeah. and you uh, I'm going to do the same even though we have a literal monster Adams was the real monster <laughs> Um. yeah Nathan seemed fine I guess I mean if I got turned into a dragon and and buried underground he'd keep looking for me so that's (laughs) nice (laughs) maybe I just want a book where there's like the next book to be a love triangle between Vivian Nathan and 
Claire the dragon. And the dragon. Yeah. Also, I did really appreciate his like, hey, be into whoever you want to be into. Bring them over. You know, make out. Do some little fondling. You're too young for anything else. Like, I also, was, though, appreciated that Thaddeus is like, well, I'm 16 now. Does that mean I'm not too young now? And I'm like, you're so horny. <laughs> <laughs> but then when they get to their first kiss, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so fucking nervous. No, it was cute. It was cute. Anyway, so, yeah, I'm going to marry Nathan. I'm going to fuck the Baragon and I'm going to kill Adams. All right. Well, Neil. Yes. Fuck, Mary kill. Uh-huh. Tristan. Uh-huh. Thaddeus. Uh-huh. Teofil. Okay. All of our T-bros. All of our T-bros, assuming that Thaddeus and Teofil are magically 18 at least. Yes, 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 Okay, yes, thank yes. you. Which is still too young for me. Um, I'm going to fuck Tristan. Because he seemed good at it. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't think I want to marry him because he travels a lot for work. Um, he has the baggage with the daughters, um, all of that. I'm going to marry Teofil because he's he hums in his garden at midnight and fairies fly around his head. And he was a very sweet young man. Yes. Now we're going to marry him. And then I'm going to th- kill Thaddeus. Not because I especially wanted to, but... I also like I never knew how he felt about anything until it was much too late <laughs> for me to care. So yeah. yeah. I... Also also he loved reading, which I love to see in a character, and that never paid off in any way, shape, or form. That didn't matter to anything at all. And I'm like, just like may have some have something. He also never made choices. He was just reacting his choice was to like get lost in the woods. And then also there was a part after he'd been attacked by the beast and put in the hospital that he was working late and he's like, oh, my dad wanted me to call him when I got off work. So I, so I'm going to call him. And the, and cause apparently the dad was like, oh, I'm going to pick you up and take you home. And Thaddeus was like, but I have my bike. And I'm like, don't be, don't be an idiot. You know why he doesn't want you biking home at night alone. You've already been attacked by a monster. Like What? So yeah, I'm going to kill him. Poor guy. And this was after they both knew all the magic stuff, too. Yes. And like, so the next day, like, they went back to their sporting goods job. I was like, nah, you can take the day off. Like, really, <laughs> honestly, like, you need to sleep this off. You need to, you know, you need to wake up and have some hot chocolate and get to some home truths. Do not go back to your home goods store. It's fine. The only reason you, you were looking for the... Oh, whatever you just need a job so that you could support your search for your wife and now you know where that search happens you don't fucking uh, whatever <laughs> anyway so that's what i'm doing what about you claire <laughs> um i'm actually gonna marry tristan because okay. good at sex but also like yeah he does travel a lot ah but his garden his garden sounded amazing it did yeah. They, they he has a dining room outside where the walls are sunflowers and I'm down. That sounds great. <laughs> I'm okay. Um, and it's a secret part of the garden that you can only get to if you know which lettuce bunch you need to take a turn at. Ah, that's fun. Um, I am also, I'm going to fuck Teofil again. He's 18 and this is fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, for all the same reasons. Magical, whatever. But I don't know. He also seemed like 
too sweet for me. I think I need someone with a little bit more edge. <laughs> okay. Fair. I know. I know. I'm a bad person. You'd um, be getting good in-laws, though. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then I'm going to kill Thaddeus. Sorry, kid. Good luck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and about of all of the characters? Um... Well, uh, I think I'm still going to marry Tristan. Uh-huh. Um, I think I'm going to fuck Nathan. Uh-huh. And um, I'm going to kill Adams. Fair. Because Adams was the worst. The worst. We had an evil beast and Adams was still worse. He's the worst. Elder yep. abuse is not good, folks. Nope. Not good. Nope. Nope. Um, I'm going to fuck Tristan. I'm going to marry Vivian, the librarian. Aww. She seems sweet. I mean, I love a librarian. Also, she was like, oh, that's right. Magic at the beast. Um, <laughs> and everyone else was like, did that work? As if she was the first person to think to do it. So it seems like she knows what she's doing more than the men around her. Um, and superstition seemed like a cute little, a cute little town. So, yeah. Sure, whatever. Um, and then I'm also going to kill Adams because he's the worst. What a terrible son. Oh, God. What a way to make your mother's end days the worst. I know. And the books, Claire? Um. Oh, this is hard. <laughs> um. I'm going to kill The Midnight Gardener, which is the YA book. Uh-huh. Um, it just needs to bake a little bit more. Um, I think there's some really lovely things in it, uh, but it the the rhythm and the pace was way off the main character was not a good main character it was two different books yeah it was it just it it literally to me felt like two different books smushed together yeah um and the second half felt like the beginning of the other book yeah it did so mm. it was two beginning two first halves of books smushed together (laughs) Um, and for night gardening, God, it's hard because this is obviously a very well written book. Like this is obviously mm-hmm. uh, a higher class of book. Um, but um, uh, I'm gonna kill it too. <gasps> I know a scandal. I I really like. Um, I really loved so much of this book. I really loved it. Um, but um, the way the character died at the end just made no fucking sense to me. Like, mm. and I'm not somebody who gets upset when a book isn't what I, I mean, I am obviously I have a podcast about it. Um, <laughs> when a book isn't what I expect it to be, but like, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm a super forgiving person when it comes to things like this. Like, and if it had made sense and if you and I were talking about whether or not this was a romance or not, just because it had a sad ending, like we could have had that debate, but, uh, it didn't have a sad ending. This had a dumb ending that made no fucking sense to what the book was trying to tell me. Uh, it undermined the entire rest of the book. So (laughs) it was like, it was a book that was like, you know what I need to write? I need to write a tearjerker because there are people out there who think tearjerkers are automatically good books. And that's uh-huh. not the case. So um, I'm going to kill it out of revenge. I'm also going to kill the Midnight Gardener. It just, it like, uh, 
You all know why. I don't need to say it again. You all know why. Um, and then I'm going to... Okay. I would almost marry Night Gardening. Ugh. Except for that ending. So I'm going to date it. <laughs> which is a step above fucking, but I'm not ready to marry it. Because <laughs> if, if the ending, if the ending had been different, it would have been such a fantastic book. Except for like, I did find the, the subplot with the Monsignor completely. Uh, oh word. When it's like unnecessary, extraneous. Yeah. Um, and then there were a couple chapters in there, but it was just her telling stories from her childhood that didn't really go anywhere. Yeah. So maybe I'm just going to fuck it. Yeah. I feel good about that. I'm going to fuck it. Yeah. I would, I would also say like if this book had been entirely from her perspective, so not from his at all, and it was just like the last summer of her life, uh-huh. um, the last growing season, and she was taking in everything she possibly could and like... She knew that this could be the end. She was just going to like, and like when he invited her to like his home, like there's a part of her that knew she was never going to see it. Like, then I think I would have loved this book. Yeah. Yeah. If it had been like, oh, the doctors only gave me three months to live and it's been six. So like I'm already on borrowed time and it's going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. Like not to be, um, cliche but the fault in our stars was we knew that that was a possibility and like that's what made the the romance all the more special so that when when i mean spoilers for the fault in our stars somebody dies at the end it's like oh well we knew that was a possibility we knew that was on the table and so everything leading up to the death was that much more important because we knew that the death might happen yeah and for anybody out there who's like but that's what flowers are flowers uh flowers die I need to I need to underline this so heavily. This book was talking about perennials. The all the gardens were full of perennial flowers, flowers that grow again and again and again. And like gardens you have to upkeep but are but are waiting to be brought to life all the time. This is not a book about plants that die after a season yeah and it was like you said there were so many times it's like oh she thought that this plant had died but it had survived despite all the odds. And so we thought that's what was going to happen to her. We thought that she was the garden, but no. 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 Anyway. Um, is it time for our favorite game? It's time for our favorite game. Christine, yes! <laughs> Great. I'm ready. Um, so one of these, there's a parenthetical that I will not read because it gives okay. it away. Um. I'll read it. I'll read it after. So next time <laughs> we will be reading Reckless Ambition, issue number one by S.R. Watson and Ryan Stacks and Moonlight Becomes You, Lucky Moon, book one by M.J. O'Shea and Piper Vaughn. Oh, boy. Well, they both have two authors. They do. I want to say something like um, investors or stock market or something. No. No. Okay. Are these graphic novels again? They are not. 
Yeah, I saw issue one. I was like, what? And I just clicked on the look inside. It is text. These are not graphic novels. <laughs> um, what's the second one again? The second one is Moonlight Becomes You, Lucky Moon, book one by MJ O'Shea and Piper Vaughn. Sailors? No. Is it gambling? No. Gambling is is... Um, not close, but like a distant cousin of. Oh, astrology. <laughs> no. Bitcoin. No. <laughs> that, is, no. that is gambling. Um, no, that's not, Bitcoin isn't gambling, darling. That's just terrible ideas that I are know, ruining the environment. MLM. Just yeah, throwing your money basically. away. <laughs> Sorry, listeners, um, if you have lost money, but I, I don't think that's our demographic. Um, hmm. I'm trying to think of what the most ambitious thing I can think of is. Ambitious. <laughs> I'm like, ambitious. I'm coming <laughs> like coming up empty on what i think ambition or like what an ambitious career might be yeah i'm also thinking like adventurer yeah no surgeons no uh and then i'm thinking the moon what does astronauts (laughs) no we've done astronauts haven't we all right um rocket science no. Scientists, you're cold. You're very cold. Oh, very cold. Okay. Um, we have okay. to head back towards gambling, but not <laughs> quite there. <laughs> uh, okay, back towards gambling, but adjacent to gambling. But kind of adjacent, distant cousins. Video gaming? No. Atlantic City? No. <laughs> <laughs> State Fair. No. Uh, Pinball. (laughs) Chip makers. No, you're both wrong. Are you ready to give up? Never. But okay. (laughs) Never. It is rock stars. Oh. Okay. with the parenthetical, we are reading Reckless Ambition, Issue 1, Pretty Boy Rock, Book 4. Okay. Uh, by S.R. Watson and Ryan Stacks. And wait, what? Reckless Ambition, Issue 1, Pretty Boy Rock, Book 4. Explain <laughs> that to me. Um, and Moonlight Becomes You, Lucky Moon, Book 1 by MJ O'Shea and Piper Vaughn. All right. Whee! Yeah. So I'm very excited. Well, thank you, Claire. Thank you, Neil. Thank you, Christine. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you so much, listeners. We, of course, could not do this without you. It would be boring and weird, but, you know, it's better with you. Listeners, my love for you blooms like a lily in the moonlight under the careful hands of a couple in love. Aww. And if you want to hear more about our thoughts, where can they go, Neil? They can go to patreon.com slash fmklitpod, 
where we share more hots and bothereds. Um, but that's also a place where you can go and uh, kick a little money our way if you're in a position to do so. Uh, it really helps out. It helps cover some of the cost of doing this podcast. Because um, really, we only are in it for the money. So <laughs> that's, that's our ambition. <laughs> Uh, but if you aren't able to support us financially, that is perfectly understandable. Please rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your lavas, tell anyone else that you think would enjoy us or people that want to hate, listen to us. That's fine. <laughs> I'm yeah. fine with that. I'll never know we'll about it. it. Um, yeah. but also thank you authors. Thank you so much authors. We know that you've put out into the world like a piece of your soul and then we've like swallowed it and like are using it for our own gain. And that's hard, but we love you for it. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. Also, you have our money. So jokes on us. <laughs> jokes on us. And I guess all that we have left to say is that if you can do so safely. And consensually. And in a gorgeous pond in a garden. Surrounded by night blooming flowers and fairies and fairies. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs> <laughs>